It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. I love this time of the year so much. We'll get to Jeremy Rutherford here in just a second. But John Heyman just tweeted this out. It's why I love the hot stove season so much. He says these 13 teams are said to at least be gauging the interest in the shortstop market. Talking about Corey Seager, Carlos Correa, Trevor Story, Javi Baez, and Marcus Simeon. Says it's Philadelphia, Detroit, Texas, the Yankees, Dodgers, Angels, Minnesota, Houston, Chicago Cubs, St. Louis, Colorado, Seattle, and Boston. Those 13 teams are at least, quote, gauging the shortstop market. Uh, The last two are, quote, surprising. But a couple of the shortstops also play second base, and there could be some positional changes that could be possible as well. Yes, because when I pay $100 million for a player, I love changing his position. They did it to Manny Machado. Fair, but you just slide him over to third. That seems a little easier. I'm guessing this would be maybe a a bigger change. There were teams last year, apparently at the deadline, that were interested in Trevor Story as a center fielder, which seems strange. Probably the Cardinals. 13 teams at least checking in on this market. I can go and go ahead and exclusively report Colorado's not signing one of them. I can report that <laughs> Philly ain't signing either of them either because they have no money to spend. Probably the Minnesota. Cubs too. Minnesota, Minnesota, by the way, you could take them off yeah. the list as well. We've narrowed it down to 10. All right. <laughs> that means five teams are going to be left without a dance partner. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line to be joined by Jeremy Rutherford talking blues with our Blues Insider for 101 ESPN and The Athletic. Jer, what's going on, man? How you doing today? Not too much. I'm going to finish up with you guys and go hit some ground balls to my son. Well, uh, yeah. Shortstop market. Holy smoke. Right? Make yeah. sure he's a lefty, too. That that pays. <laughs> How's it going? Uh, we're doing really well. So there's some interesting decisions that are coming up for the Blues, JR. You've got Jake Neighbors playing in his ninth game tonight, which means that they'll have to, to make a decision on whether or not he sticks with the NHL club or if they send him down to juniors. You've got Sonny, who is now eligible to come back uh, from LTIR. You've got Braden Shin, who's dealing with the upper body injury. Maybe that ends up being more long-term, and you potentially place him on LTIR. Uh, update us with what you're hearing, what you're expecting with some of these decisions in the coming days. Yeah, let's try to do them in uh, bullet points here. Um, and then keep in mind that a lot of them are uh, connected. It's a lot of moving parts here. But the first thing we'll touch on is Jake Neighbors playing his ninth game today. Uh, Craig Ruby just had his Zoom call, and he said, look, overall, this kid's been uh, terrific, but it's going to be a learning experience. I go back to what Doug Armstrong said probably a week or two ago. They're going to do what's in the best interest for Jake Neighbors in the long term. If he's ready and it's not going to stunt his development by being in the NHL this year, then they'll keep him. If not, they're going to send him back to junior hockey. There had been some scuttlebutt in the past couple of weeks that the Edmonton Oil Kings were uh, you know, thinking that they would get Jake Neighbors back. And so that was kind of the talk around the league. But now you have a situation with the Blues where you got a potential long-term injury to Braden Shen, which we'll get into in a minute. And you have the COVID issue that could pop up all season. So do you keep Jake Neighbors for that reason? As Doug Armstrong said, I think he has to keep that big picture in mind as his number one priority when making that decision. So we'll have to see how that plays out. With Oscar Sundquist, Craig Ruby did say about a week ago that the team has had a date in mind. He, he wouldn't reveal the date, but um, I thought it could be today. Today's the day that uh, he's technically eligible to come off LTIR. But it looks like it's going to be uh, potentially later in the week. So we'll see with that. And then you have Braden Chen. You know, he's been away from the team a couple games now, uh, but Doug Armstrong said no update on him until the doctors had a chance to reevaluate him, and there would be some news when the team returns from the road trip. So we'll find out with him. Now, tying all these together, 
like I said, you know, if you have an injury to Braden Chen and he could be out weeks, months, potentially, potentially, we haven't gotten to that point yet, you know, then do you keep a Jake Neighbors because you need him around? With the Sunquist situation, when they take him off a long-term injury reserve, they have to have a situation where they take guys off the roster to become cap compliant unless Braden Shen goes on to long-term injury reserve. So a lot of this tied into Braden Shen and what his injury status is in terms of how much cap space they have and whether they're able to keep Jake Neighbors around. JR, back to Jake Neighbors, because the other factor, and look, I understand making sure that you're doing what's best for Jake Neighbors, and if there's nothing else he can do in junior hockey, then he should stay here. But how much of that decision plays into the amount of depth that this team has that they might want to learn a little bit more about? And what I mean by that is Dakota Joshua, who has played really well in both the AHL and NHL level. They got Scott Perunovich, who I know is not a forward, Logan Brown, Nathan Walker. Does that play into any of the decision you feel for Jake Neighbors? Well, I think uh, to answer that the best way I can is what Craig Bruby said today is, look, guys, the games where Jake Neighbors has played fourth line, they've liked them, but the score of the game, the time of the game, everything accounts for his lack of ice time in those games, and I don't know that that is going to help him develop. So if you can have Jake Neighbors stick around and perhaps he's in your your top nine and you believe that he can handle it for the bulk of the year, and if there's going to be ice time available because Braden Chen's out of the lineup, you know, then I think that weighs in your decision. But if you see Jake Neighbors as most likely a fourth-line player the rest of the year when you do have the Dakota Joshua's and other guys that can come up from the minors and step into that role, then maybe it is best to uh, send Jake back. We're talking to Jeremy Rutherford here on 101 ESPN. Uh, JR, with uh, Braden Shin being out right now, they're going with Thomas and Barbie as their second and third line uh, centermen. When Sonny does return, do you think he's going to end up getting opportunities at center, or do you think he moves over to the wing? Yeah, that's a good question. He was coming back not just from the knee surgery that he had when uh, he collided with Kyle Clifford. I guess I should say Clifford collided with him, right? <laughs> and uh, But not just the knee surgery, but he also had surgery on the two hips. And I'll have a story on Sonny coming up when he returns to the lineup. Uh, but uh, it's been a while, a couple of years, he said that these hips have been bothering him. And so, um, so his rehab was a little bit longer uh, because he had the two surgeries. And then also, uh, you know, he just wasn't ready at the start of the season. So when he comes back, BK, you know, you always look at a situation like that and say, you know, a lot of work involved in playing center, 200-foot game. Uh, you got to get up and down the ice. Perhaps they do uh, get him back in the lineup and watch his ice time and, and put him on the wing to start out. But I think Sonny helps this team the most at center. And, uh, again, this ties into the Braden Shen situation. If he's out long-term, then I think we'll see Sonny in the middle sooner than later. Jared, what have you made from Pavel Buchnevich's game? Because, you know, he scores he scores a couple of goals in training camp and preseason. He looks good against the Colorado Avalanche. But ever since that the game against the Coyotes where he got suspended for the headbutt, he just hasn't looked like that impactful player that we all thought he was going to be. Yeah, third game of the season, uh, he has the headbutt in Arizona, and I, I just haven't noticed him as much. That, that's just, uh, I know it was early in the season, third game. It's not like he was uh, ripping it up the first couple games, but ever since then, it, it just doesn't seem like he's done a ton. Craig Bruby did say the other day that, hey, I had a talk with him. He knows he needs to be better, uh, and I think he's going to have a good game tonight. This was a couple games ago. He didn't do much that night, but the next night he did score a goal looked better I thought thought he played a little bit better but to me I just go back to he just doesn't seem as noticeable here's a guy who does a lot of stuff I mean he's he's heavy he's in on the four check he scores goals I think when I broke down uh, the Blues goal scorers this year I had him 
projected right up there with David Perron, you know, leading the team, 27, 28 goals. And obviously he's not on that pace right now. So, so to me, uh, Pavel Buchnevich needs to be more active in, in the play. That's what the Blues uh, got him for. And I really haven't seen a lot of that lately. Final question that I've got for Jeremy Rutherford here on 101 ESPN. You got Winnipeg tonight. You've got Nashville on Thursday, Carolina on the road on Saturday, and then you've got Edmonton on Sunday. This is a tough stretch for the Blues over the next four games. What do you want to see from them? We, we've talked about a lot early in the season, even when the Blues were playing against quality opponents, there were a couple of their best players that were out at times, and then you did go through a little bit of a lull in the schedule of late. What do you want to see from the Blues against these quality opponents that are coming up on their schedule? Well, fortunately for them, BK, they're going to get their, a few guys back from uh, the COVID list. They got Ryan O'Reilly back the other day, and as Craig Ruby said after the game, you know, you could tell he was sluggish. I think the Blues' entire team, and perhaps it's because they've been without O'Reilly up until the last game, has been sluggish. Craig Bruby said after the, the game the other night that uh, they just played slow. You know, we weren't talking about this team playing slow those first five games. So they are without uh, a few players, and they're going to get these guys back. Fortunately, these COVID cases have been a little bit staggered, but the last of them, you know, once you talk about Krug and Mikola coming back, you know, in the relative near future, and if you don't have any more cases, maybe they get back to being that team. But to me, that's the number one thing. Got to play faster, and they have to play more aggressive to where they're drawing more penalties. I know the refereeing, officiating hasn't been necessarily uh, probably up to the Blues liking, uh, but in their last five games, they're 2-2-1, and and in those five games, they've only had one power play opportunity three out of those five games. You're not working hard enough, regardless of the officiating, if you're not drawing more power plays. They have a great power play. They haven't been able to use it because they're not playing that style of game. Jeremy Rutherford, find his work over at The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter as well, at JP Rutherford. JR, you're the best, man. Appreciate you as always. We'll talk with you again next week. Thanks, boys.